Hello, uh, Steve here. Uh, we hope you enjoyed Isle of Avalon. Right, we're going to go back in time a bit further now, do you know what I mean? And we're going to do a song from Dance of Death, one called Journeyman, right? Fully acoustic. You know, a lot of people might complain about that, but but it is what it is, you know? Like, uh, I like it, you know? Went down well when we played it live and all that, and uh, yeah, here we go. Enjoy, you know? Maiden A to Z, innit? Hello and welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric and as always with me is my co-host Jonathan. That's right and just like last week we got George in with us. They tried to kick me off but they couldn't find someone else to cover the episode in time so (laughs) you're stuck with me again. Just when I thought I was out they pulled me back in again. Just when you thought it was safe to insert whatever thing you want. Like, that's like a very horror movie cliche, kind of like, just when you thought it was safe to do this specific thing, it turns out it is not it safe is not. to do this specific thing. <laughs> and it has to be a really innocuous thing. Just when you thought it was safe to go to the kitchen. The serial killer. Just when you thought it was safe to attend competitive cat shows. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> we, had, we had a little bit of talk last week on uh, on our podcast uh, again you're from metal gods podcast and what i didn't get time to mention was uh, we talked about your guests uh, you had a really cool guest on i listened to it yesterday while cleaning my house like i had a spring clean for the would-be may queen and um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i came up with that uh, anyway i was listening to the show with uh, rob on not rob halford but close enough you know a, a guy named rob that can sing rob and uh, that was a great example also of why I think it's a good call that you branched out with guests because that was a lot of new stuff for me too about like vocal techniques and, uh, uh, you know, good storyteller as well, that guy. Oh, that is so cool. Well, I'm going to have to tell him you said that. Sure. Yeah, that was the episode on Spectre, if you're looking for it. We had a lot of fun with that. to discuss the song Journeyman from Dance of Death. Opening up Jay. Indeed. We're opening up Jay. As in Jonathan, without an H. Mm, Jonathan with an H? Without an without. H. Sorry. Or, again, or if, if your name is Jonathan, spelled with an H. We're not, we're not shaming you. You're allowed to do that. Uh, it's but, completely fine. Yeah.
I actually, I've, I've had a job for three years, mm. and I received emails saying, hello, Jonathan, with, a, with an H. <laughs> Come on, guys. I've been, <laughs> been working with you guys for three yeah. years. Spell my name correctly, please. Also, my name is in the email address, if you don't remember how to spell it. It is in the very email yeah. address, so, without as, the so, so as per as per my email, this is how it is spelled. <laughs> as per my email, yeah. <laughs> or as per my email address. Yeah, I mean, I'm, oh, I think yeah. I, my, my, my mom spelled my name wrong a couple times, so it's fine. Well, um, yeah. But anyway, that's, we're not here to talk about names. My mom's spelling things wrong. But we're ending, Jay. New letter. New letter. And uh, I thought it would be really short, but uh, there's a couple of uh, X-Factor B-sides coming in here, mm. so it's a little longer than I thought. Uh, but for today, it's Dance of Death, it's Journeyman. Both as a closer and as a maiden track, it's kind of a unique track, right? Bit of a rare bird because of the fact that it's yeah. you know one of their only you know fully acoustic uh, tracks, uh, as to date at least. Um, it's an odd bird, just like the last song we talked about, Isle yeah. of Avalon, and yes. in much yeah. the same way. That's why I love Journeyman, for that exact reason. Right out of the gate. Coming there, in with the love. There also is, there is, a, there is an electric version as well. Yes, it is. It's not as good, I feel. I think we, well, we have heard it, right? So I'll splice it in in post. Have you heard the electric version? Oh, yeah. In fact, yeah. I think that... We should break down the original, and then we should snip in the a little commentary about the electric version sure. afterwards, so we can compare and contrast. That's a good idea. A good idea, and we can take our time. It's another single song episode, which yeah. I guess is becoming more of the norm lately, Eric. I don't know. Neither of us really aimed for that, but uh, that's just how it works. I mean, also, you know, all, all man, all it means is it's just going to take longer to get through the alphabet, and that's fine by me. True. True. There's no rush. Because I was kind of like when I when, when I realized we're going to be like you you we have a, we have a, a Google document thing with like an episode plans and we had you know with release days and whatnot. And I can't remember which one it is, but you wrote it within parentheses. Um, but you know, after one of the songs, you know, that's going to be the halfway mark, and that actually sure. weirdly bummed me out because like Jesus, we're almost halfway through. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's a double-edged sword, yeah. if you will. You know, it's nice that we've made that made. That part of the journey, but also, yeah, it will end. But you know, we have other things to discuss as well. Yeah, I'm also you. You, you gave me the idea last time around. Uh, we were discussing if, if there's any other kind of band or anything I'd want to do a deep dive pod on, and you got me thinking. And I might have an idea. I'm not going to say what it is yet, okay, but it's cool. it won't happen for a couple of years. But um, yeah, I know I have a few, but you know, got to dedicate myself to this. Yeah, we're on this journey, man. Time <laughs> time is tight, man. Journey, comma, man. Sorry. Do you remember the first time you heard this song? Uh, or, or just, just tell about your, your sort of relation to this song. Let's just go that way. Yeah. Let me take you back, just like yeah. I did last week. So, obviously, Journeyman is an older song than Isle of Avalon. Two albums earlier, Dance of Death. And we had that little bit about, what do you consider New Maiden versus Old Maiden? And Dance of Death, that's kind of on the cusp for me. Uh, I would kind of consider Dance of Death to be older maiden now just because mm. this album is right on the cusp of its 20th anniversary omg yep. but that's weird yeah yeah and now when i talk to some maiden fans online who are younger than me and they'll cite dance of death as one of the classic songs that ranks up there in their top 10 in sort of the way that we would look at the classics from the 80s and 90s albums mm. back when we were first getting into the band. And Dance of Death 
It was also the most recent album out at the time I started listening to Maiden. So I think they were on the early years tour. One of their really great uh, classics hits tours. Uh, By the way, it's a travesty. They never did a live album or DVD of the early days sets because that's like probably the last time they'll ever get to play Murders of the Rue Morgue and Die With Your Boots sure. On. You, you have uh, Ullevi 2005. Like, uh, Th- that's on YouTube. For us Swedes, it's awesome because that crowd gets Phantom of the Opera. And you know, as much as I love you Americans, I really do. But that Swedish crowd, you can't, you can't beat that. You know how they engage in those old songs. You know, not only the front row, but all the way back. And you, they start playing Phantom, and everyone's like, "Oh fuck yeah!" Hard to see that happening in America. It depends. Yeah. But yeah, well, yeah. Our crowds are a little weaker. Yeah. But I'm a big fan of you guys. I'm just going to stress that again. So no. it's not like criticism. I'm just kind of trying to lift, uh, I guess, my countrymen a bit there. No. The Americans the... save all of their rowdiness and craziness for sports, I guess. There you go. Yeah. Come to a sold-out hockey game, and then you'll see what an American crowd can do yeah. in the right environment. Yeah. Hockey is also one of our most in-common things, Sweden and America. Because uh, it's like eight eight countries that actually yeah. properly play hockey. <laughs> you know, it's like eight countries: it's Czech Republic, mm-hmm. Russia, Sweden, uh, Finland, Canada, U.S. You know, yeah, something something I, something I something I miss that has it's been way too long. I I, I miss um, it's been over well over twenty years since I was at a proper uh, uh, baseball uh, game. I miss that. If you're ever in the U.S. on the East Coast, just hit me up. I'll take you to more than one baseball game. Cool, cool. I, I probably we, will. Yeah, because we have the Yankees and the Mets in New York. There you go. And they both stadiums have their unique flavor. Mm. Oh. I'd love to attend that, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't know the rules, though. Getting back on to the song. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the song. That's right. That's where we're here, yes. I went on a little tangent because I wanted to talk about that early years tour. Yeah. Well, it's a very cool song. It's called Remember Tomorrow.
that's what was going on around the time that I was getting into Maiden, and Dance of Death was still the most recent album, and I had to get it, you know, pretty closely after I started getting into the classics like Number of the Beast and Peace of Mind and Power Slave, because I wanted to hear what does Iron Maiden sound like now? You know, I'm aware that they're still touring. I'm aware they're still making mm-hmm. music. And what is it like? Are they one of those old bands that's faded into obscurity? And then I was really, really pleasantly surprised with how Dance of Death, it, yes, they were getting a little longer. Yes, they were heading in the direction that they're still going in the year 2020. But they weren't fully there yet. There was still a lot of the old, raw, a younger maiden energy and brevity sure. in albums like Brave New World and Dance of Death at that time. Dance of Death, I think, is probably the last album before they went really high key with their uh, scope because A Matter of Life and Death was just on another level of complexity. But Brave New World, mm-hmm. I think it's right alongside the older albums in that it doesn't go overboard on the epics. No, but speaking song length, sorry for interrupting, but speaking sure. song length strictly, uh, Brain World, you have Dream of Mirrors, 10+. plus. You have mm-hmm. uh, Nomad, oh, uh, 10-ish. You have Thin Line, 10-ish. You know, so there's plenty of really long songs. But uh, that said, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, there's enough like five or less interspersed. Yeah, yeah. more of that yeah. youth vibe I agree with. But I'm just going to say that you know, I mean, even if you go to X Factor, pretty long songs. Uh, but uh, but yes, I also feel that Dance of Death is the, is the cusp album where you know Maiden becomes, I guess, old Maiden or you know whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them, old guys Maiden, right? Uh, in a way, and there's a lot of rocking energy on this uh, album. I'm not sure I mentioned before, but they recorded this this guy to tape. You know, they didn't even use pretty much no use of computers while recording this album. It was straight to analog. Uh, reel-to-reel tape, which is a very rocking decision. I don't love the final product. I think it's it's a solid production, but I love that they went that way because it makes it more vivid, more rocking. It has a lot of youthful energy for being, you know, I guess at that time pushing 50. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, and if I'm listening to this album, I'm listening to the 2015 remaster because, like you said, the original version, the production is very raw and... I'm sure a lot of the listeners have probably already heard the story about how, you know, Steve Harris was listening to demo versions on a cassette or CD in his car. And he said, "Uh, you know, I like this. Why don't we just run with this? And someone's telling him, Steve, Steve, this isn't finished. You know that, right? He's like, I like it. Do it it like this. I like it. I bloody like it. But yeah, it's uh, not to be clear, not demo versions, but unmastered. Yeah, unmastered. Mix, the finished mixes, but he didn't want it mastered. And it had already been mastered, and they had already paid Master Engineer, a top-line <laughs> Master Engineer, to do it. But he decided not to use that already paid for and completed service. When you have a product as strong as Iron Maiden, why do you rush things? Why do you rush an album that's going to be just immortal that people are going to be able to listen to on the internet. Maybe it's not YouTube and Spotify. Maybe it's a different company, but those songs will exist for hundreds of years because of the internet. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he just didn't like it mastered, you know. I don't think that was rushing it, but I think he's been, uh, you know, guilty of rushing things. Uh, Specifically the cover art. 
I was gonna say, I, tell you, we'd be, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this is the fucking Titanic of album covers. Yeah, well, it sinks. It sinks. It sinks yeah. deep. And, I mean, and, and Leonardo DiCaprio died because of it. Not sure I mentioned it, but the artist refused to have his name on it. You know. Yeah, that's true. That says something. And if I was the artist, I would, you know, think along the same lines. It looks fucking terrible. It's a terrible cover art. <laughs> it's but just you like, know, sometimes in our cultures, the terrible things are just as kind of noteworthy as the really good things. Like yeah. people watch like movie clips of the all time worst acting and dance of death is on the list of all time, bad rock and metal album covers. And I feel like that might even do a lot for its notoriety that it wouldn't get if it had just an okay album cover that or a generic album yeah. cover like now. At least people are seeing this album get mentioned, even yeah, though it's in mean, the context of not so just a good light. Eric has something on a on a parchment. Over yes, here. Or I mean, yeah, it's not a parchment per se. That's I'm not that old, but uh, this is a poster from the Dance of Death, uh, the Dance of Death tour. Um, this is from the Stockholm uh, date. Right, this is actually an original from the. All right, so what they did here is they removed everything except the the you know. One the lady to the right. Yeah, and and that's or is that, that man. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's 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 the they should just kept Eddie here and everything else. That's all you need, really, and that that'd be a lot better. So this is actually from the let's see the date. The date was Saturday the oh, sorry uh, Saturday the fourteenth of November, two thousand three. Yeah. Now the thing about all those terribly ugly computer graphic people and babies and dogs like. Wasn't yeah. that all originally intended to be placeholders? Like, uh, yes. you kind of have to really stretch your imagination. But if mm. you have a good imagination, try and imagine what that cover might look like if it was all, like, hand-drawn or hand-painted yeah. people. Maybe you've got a good concept, like a lavish, orgiastic feast. Ice wide shot. Definitely. Yeah. And a party of the undead that concept could have made a good cover. It's just, why didn't you let the guy finish it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've re I've tried and recreate this story in my head. And I think it's very close to what you're saying that probably you get the sketch and Harris is going, no, I had something in mind with, you know, a lot of people in it, uh, sort of a, an orgy or party situation or just a weird situation. There needs to be more, more people in here. The guy mocks it up, you know, mocks it up for sure. Yeah. It's not finished, sends it over. And for some reason, Steve is happy and he's like, he wants to release it as such, which is where the artist pulled his name out or her, because I don't know the name, but at uh, that point, I don't blame yeah. them. I mean, it's on the list of all time bad metal covers and, yeah. and it's not even what the artist wanted the product to be. So why would they put their name on it? They don't want that level of sort of infamy. Yeah. And also to agree with what you said before. The terrible stuff does leave a mark. Uh, Eric called it on our podcast. You call it Eric. You said that the lukewarm songs are the worst, or you know, the hardest to yeah. make anything nice of because the shitty songs, shitty to some. I know that George likes "Don't Look to the Eyes of a Stranger," for example, but shitty to some. <laughs> those so th those songs are way fun to do. The mid of the middle of the road songs. Those are hard. Hardest, yeah, definitely. So this this ugly cover, you know, works as such because there's covers they've done that's like this is fine. And those are not particularly fun. No prayer is the worst then. But that was funny because we had the fun discussion about them removing the gravedigger guy. Removing the gravedigger. Mm -hmm. The board meeting. Yeah. 
there's, there's, there's people who have no interest in, in the band whatsoever who have seen this cover multiple times. Sure. Because of the fact that it's, it's a fucking train wreck. Horrendous. I once had someone over at my apartment for a party, and there were a lot of people, and then a couple of them were looking at the CD shelf. They picked up Dance of Death, and they were laughing at it. They're like, hey, look at this crap. This is the worst cover. And I, w- I was hanging out with them, and I said, dude, that is one of the all-time bad covers. And would you believe the music is as good as the cover is bad? And then their interest level spiked immediately. They said, okay, that now you have to put this on because I'm intrigued. And you are right, I'd say. That is a very fair comparison that gets sort of, yeah, you know, as, as bad as one thing is, the other thing is just as good, but it's on the other side of it. So, the, yeah, that, that, that. So, did they end up liking the album then? They did. I mean, these people, they were like Iron Maiden casuals and they knew like a few of the popular songs. And they said, yeah, there's a lot to like here. And honestly, I think this is the utmost example of not judging a book by its cover, that old cliche. And yeah. it applies 100% in Dance of Death. Definitely. It's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, yeah, I'd like to, I don't remember particularly, but I think that back then I was more sort of gung ho about defending stuff. Cause I remember I had a lot of friends, I didn't have many maiden or, you know, fellow maiden uh, friends or, um, so, Whenever I, you know, like I got the new album or listening to thing, I, I a lot of time I have to defend stuff, like you know, you know, like this sounds ridiculous, you know, why is this, you know, or whatever. People just being jerks or having or having or just people essentially just bad taste in music. Um, but objectively, so, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, but I imagine I probably at some point would have to was forced to sort of, you know, die on the hill of defending this this album cover. I I'd like to remember what it is I said because I don't remember this point. Well, I will add that you are a defender of the faith, for sure. I mean, it depends what it is. That's something you do well. You do that quite well, you know. You're a good defender. I I would more be the guy to, uh, I don't know, go the other way around and like, okay, it's Now I I would. Probably, yeah. Back then, when I was however old I was at that point. But I appreciate your roots as a defender of the faith. That's what I'm saying. You know, I think it's different now when among among fellow Maiden fans and friends, I can sort of it's 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 I'm more inclined to sort of you know highlight or showcase the the things that don't work. Whereas yeah. like back when I was alone, sort of poking back against the wall, you know, being made fun of for me liking this stuff, obviously I would you know sort of more be more you know up to defend it or or even taking stands. I don't necessarily. I wasn't that fucking out of it that I thought that was that that looked good at that point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I love the idea of you defending it, you know, and that brings me on a small tangent again. It's going to be uh, tangential with us three, but uh, it's about defending stuff. And uh, there was this band, a power metal band called Hammerfall here in Sweden.
which I it really did not work for me. Now I sort of acknowledge them as a big part of our metal scene and metal history. But no, I didn't like it. But I was at this party in first year of high school, and at this guy's place, he had that album, and a girl brings it out and laughs at it, and like, what is this shit? And this, my friend told me way, years later that I was completely defending it there. And like, you know, defending it hard. And I didn't like it. So I'm proud about that. I was defending metal even when it was metal I didn't like. So that's, you know, defender of the faith. That's how I got that idea. You know, it's like there's something a little bit noble about doing that, I think. When it's, you know, so clearly corny, so clearly <laughs> cheesy, campy, whatever yep. word you want to use, it's ridiculous. We know that going in. Yeah. So defend it. Quick story about that, and we can go move on to the actual song. So, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of the Swedish band Freak Kitchen. Uh, uh, great band, check them out if you haven't heard them. And I was, I was hearing a story. So the, the, they were they were in uh, I think it was Japan, and they were they were doing a press conference. There's some sort of like thing about their then latest album, and he, the singer Matthias Eklund got asked about the lyrics, and he sort of explained his thinking about it. like oh you know we he tries to write about more like real world kind of stuff, and he you know he doesn't really. You know, because he feels that that maybe means more than writing about, and he sort of, in sort of like a mocking kind of way, you know, you know, said like, you know, that's, I think it means more to people than maybe you know us writing about people writing about you know dragons and swords and whatnot. And he didn't know that Hammerfall was supposed to have a press conference right afterwards, but then for them explaining why why they like writing about fucking dragons and swords and knights and shit. And so they, yeah. and also Hammerfall, they're friends of those guys. So it did become kind of an awkward situation where they sort of like, <laughs> but, you know, also, also telling about the width of, of hard rock and, yeah. and this kind of music that you can approach it from different ways, yeah. you know, and uh, I just like when someone defends something that is clearly a bit campy. Another example mm. was um, uh, JB from Grand Magus. He got asked in Rockpodden, are you really into these like uh, stories of knights walking through snow, sword held in hand and ready to fight and he was like yeah i love it and so serious about it i like that you know it's just like it's a sort of you know vulnerable position to be in actually to say that hey guys i like this cheesy shit about dragons and you know come at me yeah and hey isn't there camp in all the great metal bands there's camp in iron maiden there's plenty of camp in judas priest you can find camp in black sabbath yeah digital bitch I don't know if that's camp, actually. Yeah, that's something I was else. Thinking specifically, the bad Black Sabbath is very campy, and you had to bring up one of the worst songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. also, like, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I grew up in the, you know, I, I was like, I was 15 in, in 99, and I was a, you know, a metal fan and a Star Trek fan. I spent quite a bit of time defending shit. I can tell you that much. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I mean, Eric. That's what I mean. That's how I know you. Yeah, well, definitely. So, or how I knew you even before I knew, uh, knew you, know. basically. You know, it's like the, the Savage Garden song. I, lo- I know I loved you before I met you. Pretty much. Anyway. At least in terms of defending nerdy shit. Because, you yeah. know, you realize at one point, okay, I'm a nerd. That's yeah. not going to change. So what can I do about it? Should I apologize about it? Fuck no. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize about that. I'm going to explain my position and why it brings me so much joy. So why don't you, you, here's what, as a segue to the actual song, splice in a bit of the Savage Garden song. I I know I loved it before I met you. We'll move on. Perfect. I've already talked about how much I loved Dance of Death when I first heard it. And Journeyman is the capstone to that whole album and it's a long album but it's not as long as the albums that come after it it's like yeah. still a comfortable listen to go from the start to end of dance of death and hour ish i think yeah. yeah and once you reach journey man it's 
almost kind of a reprieve, and you get something that's very different from anything else on the album. And I would say it's pretty different than most Maiden. They don't write a ton of acoustic stuff. Yeah. Oh, no. I think uh, Adrian mentioned it around then, maybe together with a later record, but I think it was then that he mentioned that they only pretty much had uh, Prodigal Son, which is a sneaky track, you know, that's become sort of a favorite uh, amongst our troops anyway. Greg mm-hmm. mentioned it is a low-key favorite. Christian Niemann mentioned it, you know, play the solo, beautiful solo. Maybe mm-hmm. Adrian's first real statement in the band could be that solo. Uh, and I also love it now. I remember it feeling weird to me back in the day when I bought Killers. Like, what the fuck is this? It's in major key and the Lamia stuff. I didn't get it. But now it's a completely key component of Killers being that record to me. That's, you know, if you didn't have that, it would still be very cool, but it'd be sort of motorhead cool. Yeah. But with that added, it becomes Iron Maiden cool. You know? Yes. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, yeah. And Journeyman, that song worked really well for me. First time I heard it, um, it's now playing in the background, done in post. The intro is very typical folk music, minor key, A minor key type pattern. Very diatonic, very simple and not unique in any way. No, it doesn't it's not unique, but it's it, it's very it does what it does it gets the job done if you get it. Yeah. But I liked it. And even then and then I was snobbier because I was listening to a lot of Opeth and stuff. So I wanted the chords to be big and strange with thirteens and elevens. Yeah, I, I actually like to, I'd like to point out that I recently moved and I'm not gonna say where I moved to, but uh, apparently uh, Mikael Okerfeld, the singer from Opeth lives nearby because i've run into him three times <laughs> three times so i gotta yeah. go come uh, on a sleepover party or something so i can run into him for the fourth time in my life yeah it's been a while recruit him to guest on an episode oh that'd be, yeah i mean i think he'd do it maybe he could if you did it irl because if you mail him it's gonna go through all that management and shit it's gonna just gonna happen but if you if you said irl well, hey i'll hang out here in the no, but here, I think here, here's probably what i've what i've done wrong in my interactions with him so thus far um they haven't really been interactions. They've been almost anti-interactions because what I did was I, I assumed like, well, he's out getting, he's buying food or he's doing things with his family. He obviously doesn't want to be approached. Rather than, so I, I've not gone up to him any of the times I met him. But I think maybe I get, oh my God, that's him. So I'm going to like, well, I don't want to look like I'm looking at him. So I sort of like, I look like someone trying to avoid their fucking, not like an, mm-hmm. an, an, an ex that where the thing ended badly. Yeah. <laughs> I did that today. I saw a guy from Swedish television today from uh, from a pretty big show there, uh, Veckans Nyhet or something oh, like that. Yeah. I saw him and I looked at him like I didn't recognize him, but I did. So yeah, so does, does, that does he want to be on the pod, do you think? Uh, I don't know. Let's check it out. Okay, anyway, I, no, I, I did say, that same I, I, thing, Eric. I know enough people close sort of in the Opeth camp that I could probably ask him that way rather than like running into him like, do you want to be on a podcast but uh yeah since we're on it already i met him three times when i was younger first time i met him was the most starstruck i've ever been in my life because at the time it was my favorite band i was uh, 16 years old and run into him in a record shop uh but i sort of kept my cool and just talked to him about 70s prog because i figured he likes that's what he wants yeah yeah and that worked met him again in a catatonia concert uh, about a year or two later Very then cool. i was drunk and young uh, i had a fake id and i was 17 so uh, i was drunk and young maybe a little bit more on him but he was very friendly that time too and we talked about comus a lot and yeah, he's a nice guy third time i met him i was drunk and not even that young 19 and then i annoyed him a bit <laughs> actually <laughs> so i ended on a sour note it was like yeah just let me buy my candy <laughs> he wasn't in a line to buy candy sticks 
<laughs> Fair enough. He doesn't even remember you, probably. No. Not at all. Couldn't imagine, no. What's your into this night? All minds are stable. Forget all your knees, lose their grip of all control. Yeah, but I lived off of that for a while, and uh, it took us a good 10 years before we, we got some, like, a paycheck, I think. Yeah. That's, you know, from starting at 16 till... Yeah. 26 years old, living on dog food. Yeah. Um, living on dog Sounds food. Sounds sad. Living on you dog food. It's not good, is it? The one time I've met him where I've actually talked to him, he was at a record. There's a There used to be, and it's ho- hopefully happened again this year. He was like record fair. Like, you know, you can go, but people come, they sell used records and whatnot. And he, he 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 loves that kind of stuff. So he was there in a booth actually talking like Prague and selling records. And there, there I did talk to him because he was there to talk to people. Yeah. Right. When the setting makes sense. Yeah, that's less intrusive than he's buying sushi with his fucking wife yeah. and kids. Or and candy like, sticks. If you recognize someone famous when they're out with their spouse and their kids... Please don't talk to them. They're Pretty having much. family time, just like the rest of us do. No. What do you think, uh, Mister Ackerfelt thinks of Journeyman? Well, you know, he, he you know, funny. Let's well, let's speculate on those yeah. no, But before before this whole uh, <laughs> tangent here, uh, yeah, I'm sorry about mentioning- that. <laughs> No, a good thing, I think. It was interesting stuff anyway. But uh, I was mentioning, yeah. I was listening to Opeth uh, a lot at that time. It was this, about the same time as I ran into Mike, you know, the teenage years mm-hmm. anyway. And uh, I love those complex riffs. You listeners are now hearing a very nice open riff. Which one? There. Well, maybe Leopard Affinity could be cool. There, that's a good one. And then you put on Journeyman, and it's the opposite. Play the normal seven notes in a normal scale, and you play them in normal timing and in a normal right. arrangement. The chord structure, everything is normal. Yeah, diatonic scales tend to sound very happy and pleasant, don't they? Yeah, even minor can sound pretty happy and pleasant. Yeah, I agree. So uh, what I was going to get to before the whole Opeth side quest mm-hmm. was that <laughs> I actually liked it initially. And mm-hmm. why is that? I wasn't looking for that, right? So that's sort of what I, how I wanted to approach this song. Yeah. I wasn't looking for a song this simple, this straightforward and clear out. Somehow it worked. I think my, my theory here, or what I want to discover as we do this episode is, maybe it's atmosphere. I think it could be an atmosphere, because something really worked, and it has done ever since. Love the song. One of the best on the album. Mm. Mm-hmm. It has a kind of like a campfire kind of vibe to it, doesn't it? Like a- yep, folk music. Yeah, I remember I mentioned I'm not gonna. I, I remember I'm not gonna get into too much detail because I haven't really cleared if that's all right. I, a few a few episodes ago, like it might have been like ten episodes ago, I, I mentioned that I was at an event where someone, well, I put the song on, and someone in the event proposed to his girlfriend. Uh, Ooh. And this happened to be playing at this uh, this time. I'm not gonna go into more than that, but but I, I put that song on because this, this indeed was a sort of a campfire kind of vibe, or like a, there was a fire going, and that's um, yeah, it has a very kind of. There was another of your complex uh, proggy tangents. I like that. Thank you. In your words, not mine, they got engaged to fucking Journeyman. That's right. Oh, I said that. And they I? don't even <laughs> like Iron Maiden. <laughs> they do not. But um, <laughs> but either way, uh, it, it has it has a, 
this is all very, especially if you listen to some of the stuff, other stuff on the album, and this is not particularly advanced stuff. It doesn't have to be because it's simple but very effective, very easy to play, very fun to play. Mm-hmm. It's one of my like like I have a couple riffs that I, if especially when I'm doing just finger picking, if I'm trying out an acoustic guitar, that I that I tend to sort of bust out just to try out the guitar. But this is one of them actually. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. And also, it's fun because what they do is for the electric version, because uh, they just move everything up. Like, you don't have yeah. any guitar in your room now. Uh, I can get one. Be nice Hold to on. hear that intro. All right. All right, I'll get that. Hold on. In the meantime, I could add that uh, about those diatonic scales. This is a song that you can play, I think, but I'm not going to you know, stand by this to the death, but I think this song can be played on all only white keys on the keyboard. Really? A minor slash C major works on over the seven white keys, and I think this song, you know, if my ears are not betraying me or my memory, has no tones outside of those seven white keys on the keyboard. You know, It's that <laughs> simple. Now, do you think that's a reflection of the song being written by Steve and he's not a keyboardist as his primary instrument. No, I don't think it's written on a keyboard, so they're probably not familiar with the fact. It's just kind of telling on how basic uh, the, the the musical bed is. You know, that's the skill level of the people writing the song. Yeah, or the intent even, maybe, you know. Sure, uh, there's yeah. nothing wrong with simple in and of itself. Oh, no, a lot it, of the best songs are pretty simple. Indeed they are. Let's see if we can hear Eric. Let's wait for Eric to tune up first, because I just want to make sure this doesn't sound like shit. I never played this song, uh, but um, as Eric is tuning, we could mention that it was also included live on that whole tour. Yeah, and for you listeners, if you want to hear that live version, you can either watch on YouTube or listen on whatever streaming service to the Death on the Road live album, which is another good one. It's not in like my top tier of Maiden live albums. But if you want to hear the Dance of Death and Brave New World songs live, then it's a pretty good option. And yeah. uh, the version of Journeyman, they keep it acoustic. They don't go into the electric version live. Mm-hmm. So when you think about a song that's structured like that, I think coming back from the encore is really the only place for it. Like you can't really throw Journeyman into the middle of the set list that's full of hard rockers. Yeah, and to be noted, the only time they put a fresh out of the oven song in the encore bit. Normally, they wouldn't even put a semi-fresh song. The closest you get is probably Blood Brothers on uh, Book of Souls set, which was also an encore. Right. But that wasn't new then. Uh, Journeyman was, so that's a really unique move. It's also, but it's also like kind of like set because it's been you know that that is also a very that stage show is very fucking involved. There's like these it's big castles. There's fucking you know guys with size, and it's like this huge yeah. thing. And then, you know, you sort of this very scaled down thing with just them and acoustic instruments and Bruce is walking around with a towel on his neck. Yeah. So this is this is just, this is this tune design gonna can be bothered to do. So let's go. So it's basically just a it's a something like that. Yeah, I mean that, that's what they're doing. I just I just sort of fucked up but maybe it's the it's the not having had dinner and the like th- three beers I've had at this point could be the culprit. Oh, you haven't rehearsed it anyway, so. No. Also, this is the first time me playing guitar on, on this fucking podcast. Hey, I'm glad I got to be here for that achievement. Yeah, you played Dance of Death on our Instagram as well. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, that's that's fun. But again, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not particularly difficult stuff. Um, no, it reminds me of a few songs. Definitely a, a bunch of folk music, uh, Swedish, uh, English folk music primarily because we use yeah. a lot of minor tonality. Also, The Unforgiven by Metallica comes to mind. Yep. 
The beginning is nice and folky, just like Journeyman. Isn't that like... It's like... Maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Now, a hot take on Unforgiven is that it's a song that never really worked for me. Don't know why. Love mm -hmm. Metallica. But it didn't. And arguably, if I look at it technically, better song and production than Journeyman. But somehow Journeyman gets me at the first time. So what is that all about? I don't know. I mean, we could start with the Bruce Dickinson effect. I mean, come on, such an incredible voice. He's a great storyteller. He sells the emotions that he's trying to sell. And... Sure, The Unforgiven does that too, but not everyone likes James Hetfield's voice. Not everyone's voice is for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I do love his voice, but uh, I, I would say that you're still on the right track because I don't love it in Unforgiven. With time the child draws in, this whipping boy done a wrong. Um, I like him when he's percussive and shouting and, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, Master of Puppets, prime example, you know, mm -hmm. in the fashion play. You gotta love that. But, uh, but yeah, I think you're on the right track there. And also that sort of, again, I'm leaning back to that idea of Maiden could have done this for so long, and now they're doing it, which feels like a treat. Like, they kept it uh, in the wraps for so long that they can yep. have a great acoustic sound, you know. Do we like to get into the album sequencing in our discussion at all? Because that, can do that. Yeah, that yeah. has to play a huge factor in sort of uh, analyzing Journey, man, because sure. on an 11-song album, this is the last one, and mm. there, it's not as dark as X Factor or Matter of Life and Death, but there's a lot of down and dour subjects on mm. this album, too. So, I mean, think about a song like Passchendaele, which is probably one of the most vivid and brutal war songs. And then that gets followed up by Face in the Sand, which is about sort of the world going to shit and people yeah. not even wanting to hear about it they're checking out of the news cycle because it's also it's also negative and then mm -hmm. you get age of innocence uh not a fantastic song i know that's one of the earlier ones on this podcast mm -hmm. but that's a another song where the lyrics don't paint sight a bright <clears throat> excuse me the lyrics don't paint such a bright picture so then after you've slogged through that dark material you get journeyman at the end as sort of a reprieve and it's ending things on more of a positive note. And that's sort of the lift, the pickup that you need at the end of the album to bring you back to a good place and feel like you've gone on a journey with this album yeah. and you've reached the end full circle. Yes. Very nice, succinct description of what the song is and also explains how it works so well at the encore. It's, it's, there's, there's, it's a sort of a melancholy, but somewhat hopeful sort of vibe to it which you need yeah. after all that sort of dark and you know gloom and doom that the, you know like you know that that sort of comes before it i feel so yeah it works very well so just to close out sort of that particular section of the show before you get to the you know just like i think after that they did i think it was number of the beast and then they did uh, run to the hills i know they ended up run to the hills yeah 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 you mentioned now the i guess double nature of uh, of the energy emotional energy of the track 
that it has a bit of the melancholy, but it also has a bit of a, I would guess, I would call it celebratory feel to it. The celebratory feel, or maybe even the triumphant feel, that mm-hmm. will especially come out in the chorus. Whereas the melancholy is more in the verses. We are comparing it to Unforgiven. Unforgiven has more vague, typical, you know, interpret it as you like lyrics, like uh, James likes to do. Whereas this song, already by the title, uh, I believe Journeyman is a reference to a touring musician. Interesting. This is one of the few songs, I think, that Maiden have done about rock and roll. You know, sort of like Whiplash by Metallica, uh, Rock and Roll All Night, or, you know, what's this pre-song, Living After Midnight? That's not about rock and roll per se, but, you know, songs about doing what you do. And and they take a nice uh, approach to this, because this is not Whiplash. It's not like, hey, we're Metallica, fuck you. Uh, This sort of describes it as if they were active a couple of hundred years earlier. They take the role of that touring musician, the journeyman, you know, going from state to state, or city to city, uh, getting the money enough money to get fuel or horse and carriage, I don't know, <laughs> for the next stop on a tour. And how it is, uh, not a safe environment, not always happy, it's usually filled with alcohol and drugs as well, and, you know, just hard living in general. But then you get that sort of chorus that, you know, makes all of that, uh, it grants all of that, you know, it grants that lifestyle because it says, you know, I know what I want and I'll say what I want and no one can take it away. So, you know, I am this touring uh, entertainer and it's ups and downs. It's a bit rough, but hey, this is me. Jonathan, that's a great interpretation. And I have to admit that I had been of the line of thinking that this was a very vague and general song. And to some extent it is like, I think that if you wanted to read a little further into this, you could find that it broadly applies because I got the sense that it's a, it can apply to anyone who's on sort of a journey of self-discovery, someone who wants yeah. to make a change in their life, someone who wants to grow, and someone who's sticking to their own path. And that's especially apparent in the course. I know what I want. I'll say what I want, and no one can take it away. Yeah. Yep, that applies to mm-hmm. Iron Maiden and what they do. And they stick to their guns, as the saying goes, as we mm-hmm. talked about. But uh, yep. it it doesn't just have to be about that. It could also be about anyone who's working hard to try and build a life for themselves and follow the path of what they really want to do. And get knocked down, but get up again. You know, that kind of concept. Uh, the pros have probably failed way more than the amateurs, mm-hmm. but they've kept at it. I like that they made this uh, song, this kind of job title description song, late as they were approaching an elder age, because then you don't yes. get whiplash or uh, rock and roll every night. Uh, tonight we're gonna rock you tonight, because they are a bit older. So the perspective is a mature one, I would say. Of course, they couldn't have done the song when they were, you know, 
you know, in their younger days. I mean, the closest you get, I guess, maybe is Wasted Years. Mm-hmm. Or Iron Maiden, like we talked about uh, the other week. You know, they couldn't have made Iron Maiden now. No, they wouldn't have made Iron Maiden. So they're sort of the polar opposites in a way, right? I just want to see your blood going above my head uh, versus this one. They're very different songs, but they have a similar message. You know, it's about the band. Well, they're mission statements, but in very, diff- very different, you yes. know times of their sort of in their journey as it is and i think a lot of people sort of when this came out initially were kind of worried because people kind of thought at the time this sounded like an ending of something yeah that happened many times with maiden right we talked final frontier last week about that and every time maiden releases an album people think of the closing song as the context of will this be the last one hell on earth yep and uh empire of the clouds Mm -hmm. maybe for this song i don't think i heard so much of that but I could see it because it feels like a really good closer. They, they but he also, they, they were also, uh, they also were pretty clear around that time that this was not by any stretch of imagination in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Very clear. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's also like you said, it's sort of like the sort of, um, you said you, you referenced, I don't think you were necessarily trying to do it, but you referenced uh, what's it called? The uh, Chumbawamba track. You know, I get, I, get, I did I, actually reference yeah, that track. Eric. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I, I was really hoping I wasn't the only one who caught that. And I think you have to throw in a clip of that. I get no Oh, yeah. I, one of my sort of staple jokes I do every now and again, I post like, hey guys, you know, what's your, what's your favorite Chumbawamba song? Mine is Tub Thumping. It's their only fucking song, so that's kind it's of funny. But it's a great <laughs> song. I listen to that song sometimes. Yeah. I actually do. It's so oh, well, there you go. Indeed it is. Um, reminds me there's like a quote in like a Rocky, I think the sixth Rocky movie where he says, you know, it, it ain't about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's also sort of the same, probably slightly more eloquent than, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Anyway. I guess I'm receptive. I'm receptive to that particular cliche. It's a cliche for a reason, because it's very relatable, because that's what life is, is really. Yeah. No one just goes a straight line through life. There's no. going to be roadblocks. Except for Tom Selleck, because he's amazing. Anyway, um... <laughs> when you thought it was safe to do this specific thing. It turns out, it is not safe to attend competitive cat shows. Cat shows. Hashtag Selleck Ford Drum Now, who here is familiar with the definition of the word journeyman? Because I think we have to try and tie that into what the song is about. So, a journeyman, like, is sort of uh, maybe a mid-level worker, like especially if you're in a trade, maybe you're an electrician or something like that. You know, first you're first you're an apprentice, and then w- when you finish your apprenticeship, the next level is you're a journeyman, and yeah. at that point, like you're skilled enough to be an employee of someone else, but it's before you're at the level of a master, and now that we're in the year 2022 and we're looking at the context of Maiden's career and we're seeing the dance of death. This isn't the new Maiden anymore. This is like middle era Maiden. It's in the middle of the whole span of when they've been around. And that's so kind of appropriate to what journeyman is. Isn't that also, I've heard also mentioned in, in sports context, we have like players who will switch teams a lot. 
Yep. Like, yeah, they, they I heard that too. Around, they got to move around quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, what's the, like a freelancer, you know? Yeah, they say that in baseball, a journeyman player, someone who's had a long career but never stuck around with one team too long, yeah. a player who's not a Hall of Famer but pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a union song, you know, the workers' union journeyman <laughs> of music uh, in some way, you know, like like kind of building some type of team spirit, I think, the song yeah. does. I was also thinking about that just now. It's a new reflection from what you said, that uh, uh, the opening of the album, Wildest Dreams, he's saying, I'm going to organize some changes in my life, uh, hit the open road. So I never realized before how well they bookend the album. Sure. That, you know, because like, you mentioned exactly that, you know, organizing changes, trying to go somewhere could be the most autobiographical. This album could be the most autobiographical album just by that. You know, I'm not sure. I don't think it's intended as such, but yeah, it's not a concept album, but you will get a lot of recurring themes. And that's something that I think Maiden does pretty well, like not mm. a concept album, but a lot of thematical similarities in the songs. Yeah, We talked about how uh, Smith-Harris was a great writing team for Isle of Avalon, and the same goes here for Journeyman, although Journeyman is also with Bruce Dickinson, and you could mm-hmm. sort of tell with the when the lyrics are written by a singer, the words have a nicer, smoother phrasing to them. Definitely. From the red sky of the east to the My initial sunset. reaction to Bruce's voice here I love how it's relaxed. We have cheated death and he has cheated us. But that was just a dream. And this is what it means. We are sleeping and we'll dream forevermore. And the fragment remains of our memories. If Maiden were ever to do a concert alongside a symphony like Metallica did with the S&M album, you would have to think about putting Journeyman on the set. Am I right? Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. Blood Brothers, Nomad. Blood Brothers, for sure. So I think that this bit and the pre-chorus are so pow- strong and powerful, and there's a his deliverance is amazing, uh, which is also kind of why I like sort of, I kind of like, I, okay, I'll say this, I like the chorus, but I wish the chorus was as good as the verse and the pre-chorus. Completely with you there. Yeah, yeah. Very common in English and uh, northern folk music to use a three bass. And yeah, I agree with you, Eric. This part is probably the least good, but it still fills the function. I love this bit here, though. Telling you, man, it's the Bruce effect. On a live version, I think his Adrian does a really cool sort of like fill here. He does at about 2:45 in Death on the Road, and please snip in that part later because it's really good. Yeah. 
Yeah, then you get that riff from the beginning coming back in. Very Harris. And he's on his acoustic, I think. Yeah, he is, for sure. There's no one who can play the acoustic bass quite like him. I know he's not technically the best at it, at obviously, but he's just, it, it, he, has, he has something, a certain, as you say, genesis quasi. It, it has a different gnarl to it, doesn't it? String arrangement here. I'm not sure if it's Bova from Brave New World era. Bova's not the credits. So then it's, it might be Steve. Yeah, so he's credited as, uh, Steve's credited as bass and keyboard, so. Yep. So probably arranged and performed those keys. Yeah. They take their time in this song, and it's not going that far away from its core. Oh. It doesn't feel like a seven minute song to me. It's one of the longer songs on Dance of Death, but it feels a lot quicker. Agreed. I hope that so next year will be the, I guess, the 30th anniversary of this album, right? Yeah, no, 20th, 20th. 20th, sorry, 20th, sorry, yeah. Maybe they can do like a you know, re-release it and not just, but I just, I just want them to do a proper uh, fix the album cover. <laughs> yeah, on vinyl, that'd be nice. Even the Death on the Road Eddie's great. Like a Grim Reaper Eddie, that works. So that's the guy from Fear of the Dark, I do believe. Uh, but now yeah. the name escapes me. Melvin Grant? Melvin Grant. That's it, yeah. So this is, this is this is a very fixable problem. So that's, maybe they should do that. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, and I know they haven't really released, like they didn't do any 20th anniversary Brave New World thing really, besides beyond some merch or whatnot. But yeah, since everyone is universe, there's no one who's like, no, I think the cover is great. Leave it as it is. No one is saying that. Just, you know, no, no, fuck, just fix it. People would buy it. I'd buy that just so I could put that when I fucking play the album. I don't have to look at this one. <laughs> I almost yeah. feel like Steve Harris is the kind of guy who would never revise the cover just because of how bad it was. And he has that sort of stubbornness to him where he's like, you know what, guys, we're keeping it like this. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, since we're already all the time bringing up Metallica this episode, that's exactly what they're doing with End Justice. They do have the possibility of pushing up Jason's tracks and re-releasing it, but they don't want to because that's how it was. And thing is, as much as I find it weird that there is no bass on that album, mm. that is the sound of Injustice for All. I prefer that is. to the remixes. I prefer that. So I think good call on James and Lars to stay stubborn mm. in this case. I'm not saying that applies to Dance of Death cover, but you know, sometimes that integrity is cool. That just that's how the album sounds, guys. We know the bass is weirdly low, to put it, you know, lightly. Yeah. But that's how that art piece was formed. You know, if you make a sculpture. No one is asking you to make bigger hands on it or bigger arms on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I decided to make a sculpture with thin arms or with low base. Sorry. Release a remix alongside the original, but never take the original away. That could work. But you have that on YouTube using Jason's track. It sounds pretty cool, but again, I prefer the original weird mix on that one. I kind of also wonder how much it's part of it's just them being like sticking their guns and like, yeah, no, this is what we're doing. This is this is the thing. Just you know, just fucking deal with it. But also, I got maybe it's partially like, well, how much would you actually make quote slash maybe lose doing this? Like, is it going to be worth doing it in the long end of the? Yeah, or is it going to throw uh, shade on on the original artwork? Yeah, and then that'll yeah. you know, yeah. So I don't know. So either way, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So we listened to the original version of Journeyman. There's a couple of more things to listen to, but I wanted to finish up the lyrical bit first because I believe they deserve a little bit of attention, actually. All right. Um, what do we have? From the red sky of the east to the sunset in the west, that depicts pretty much the world, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Traveling the world is how I read that. We have sheeted death and he has sheeted us. That's kind of a goosebump line for me. Not sure why. It just sounds cool to me. It's just like, that's, Same. you know... You're in the in the game, I guess, you know, of death or glory or whatever. But uh, yeah, nice, cool line. So we think that this album has a lot of thematic ties. Well, here's another one, because in the song Dance of Death, if the narrative, it's a little vague, but at the end, it seems like the person who went to the underworld to dance with the dead escapes. And hey, he cheated death. Yeah, true. True. That is very true. That is, I had not thought about that. Yeah. That kind of small things, they, they it makes the album grow to me anyway. You know, makes sure it more does. cohesive effort, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and the fragment remains of our memories. Also a nice line, you know, mm-hmm. about how things sort of get lost like tears in the rain. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten hours of game. All those moments will be lost in time. The shadows we made with our hands. Deeper gray came to mourn all the colors of the dawn. I love those lines. Deeper gray came to mourn and then all the colors of the dawn. The contrast between that, you know, sort of monochromatic image in one line and then that multicolor paints a picture. Yeah. And then will this journeyman's day be his last, which is a sort of uh, fatalist uh, statement, I would say. Yeah. That any day could be the last. You've mentioned, Eric, in this show that we can get into a bus accident or something uh, or you know. yeah or anything so you never know that's at that's any time been... so the fatalist part i like too uh, i don't have to go through the whole lyric set but all of these are equally weighty these are these are really solid you know you've already mentioned my favorite bit but i also like the so this is also the pre-chorus um thing you know if you turn to the light that is burning in the night then your journey journeyman's day has begun i like that too that's really good yep uh, the line that you mentioned at the end there, Jonathan, will this journeyman's day be his last? I like how in each of the three instances of the pre-chorus, they switch that line. So first it's, will this journeyman's day be his last? And then the second time it's, this journeyman's day is at hand. Uh, Mm. And at hand means it's about to happen. And then the third time it's, your journeyman's day has begun. So first, you're wondering if it's the end, and then when it's at hand, you're about to start a new beginning, and then the third time, your day has begun, and you're already in motion, and you're looking back on another day. So it's telling a story with time passing. Sure enough, goosebumps as well. Don't know if you can see them. I don't get them that often. Yeah, this is this is a goosebump-inducing one. Yeah, lyrics, some of their best. I'm realizing mm. now. 
Terrific. And even the way he, he phrases it, on top of that uh, very folk music, again, Northern Europe folk music, uh, one, two, three feel, is very accommodating for good vocal phrasings that can soar and that can make sense. And even as you read it, you hear it. At least I do. Which is not the case with all their songs. If I read Purgatory, I don't hear, love that song, but this has that poetic quality, doesn't it? Sure does. It does. Yeah. And that's what you get, like we said, when Dickinson is the one writing the lyrics. Mm. Yep, yep. Uh, usually works quite well. I'm glad he's the vocalist in Iron Maiden. Yeah, I'm also quite jazzed about him being a vocalist. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bruce Dickinson, yeah. Yeah, I like that guy. Yeah. yeah, he's okay. You know, I think I think this kid might have a career in front of him. <laughs> and this, this, he's, I think he's going to make it. Yep. And here comes the electric version. Yeah. Very different timbre altogether, you know, with that Fender. Yeah, it, it is cool, but it, it, there is something that, that feels... Definitely agree with you, man, that it, it was the right call to go acoustic on it. I don't particularly like the guitar tone in the electric version. It's much thinner, less low range. Doesn't sound fit. Well, also, it's not really. I mean, it was done as it was, it was done as a B-side, really, so... But I love this Ebo thing. And I know that you're a bit of an Ebo guy, Eric. I am. That kind of feedback -y. I like that, yeah. The song apparently didn't need that, even though it was cool. That must be Adrian, right? Yeah, I would guess so. So he's, he's not singing as good in this one either. but also this was this was I think something that was thrown together for that EP that was I have a couple of them in the other room um, I don't know this 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 feels undone to me yeah before I addressed the idea of maybe atmosphere being key and now that I'm listening to the electric version yeah definitely because the atmosphere is not here in the same capacity with this instrumentation yeah, it feels like just another song. Or if this were the version that made it onto Dance of Death, it would just kind of feel like another song tacked on at the end because right. it loses the very unique feel that Journeyman mm. has in the album acoustic version. So this is the breakdown part. The super steep bass line. This is unique to the electric version, I think. Live, Bruce sings those melodies that he will read. Okay. Mm -hmm. A little bit of an ad lib from the voice there. Certainly not bad. It's good in its own way, but to me, this isn't enough to make it the definitive version. No, definitely not. Uh, and you get nice Adrian flavors in there, even though they were not needed, as we established. But it's a nice bonus. For sure. Yeah, we took our time again. Eric, George. Oh, we have one. We have. There's one question we have to ask. 
Yes. And what is that question? The question is, is this on the list? Is it going to be on the list? I feel, I feel it has to be at this point. Uh, and I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it belongs there. George. But you know what? Let's get this on the list. And yeah. for much the same reason as Isle of Avalon, because it's so unique against everything else that Maiden has done. Yeah. Uh, I would say I was going into this episode thinking I wouldn't put it on the list, even though I like it. And I like it a fair bit. But after all this, you know, yeah. how we highlighted it, and this is a song I have never dissected before. Uh, some of the songs I dissected just because I was interested before we did mm. this podcast, but this one never. And dissecting yeah. it and looking at the lyrics, getting a bit of that old goosebumpy thing happening as you kind of approach the, the theme of the song. I, I, I just like it, you know, it's just a, it's a solid song and I think it would work hundreds of years prior to its release as an yeah. acoustic song played by a, a then touring musician. Same words right. pretty much, maybe a little bit different phrasing and whatnot, but it's sort of uh, timeless. As the, kids, as the kids say, it slaps. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that old reference. Yeah, that's getting old. Now people say, oh, this song, Fox. Oh, Fox. okay. That's, that's okay. from like, is that from, because I used to say that, but that was, that, for me, that was, uh, you know, uh, from Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, this guy, the, this guy, Fox, yeah. He's saying that about that awkward Yangli guy, isn't he? Uh, uh, J- Jared, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knock, knock, who's there, this guy. So, this is the team. Uh, whoa. I'm just going to say it. This guy fucks. Am I right? Because I'm looking at the rest of you guys, and this is the guy in the house doing all the fucking. Am I right? You know I'm right. This guy fucks. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, Journeyman Fox. This song fucks. Fox. Yeah. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In your life, you may choose desolation. our time again but i think we had to but that said i think i still want to do rotation if you're up for it of course oh hell yeah i'm up for it there we go guests always go first yes i'm listening to a nice little band from sweden called the night flight orchestra ah with bjorn strid what's that bjorn strid from soil work uh, doing the lead vocals yep that's right and for listeners who haven't heard the Night Flight Orchestra is a band that's founded by some Swedish death metal musicians, but they're not playing that. They're playing very classic 70s, 80s, old school AOR, hard rock, arena rock with these insanely catchy choruses and these beautiful synths. And it is so much fun. Like you can really just throw on these tunes and drive with the windows down. And find yourself humming along, singing along.
highly encourage you guys to check out the Night Flight Orchestra. And of course, I'm listening to a bunch of Creator lately. Creator. They right. have, That's good stuff. Yeah, they've been rising up the ranks of my favorite thrash bands recently as mm-hmm. I've been taking a deep dig into their discography. And as awesome as the 80s stuff is, maybe this is a hot take, but I like the modern creator stuff nearly as much, maybe even a little more, because in 01, I think it was, they added a second guitarist who comes with a lot of Gothenburg influence. Finnish guy. And he added so much melody to the sound of creator. And they came up with some really amazingly good songs with him involved. So I've been listening to Creator. I like the modern stuff almost as much as, or maybe even a little bit more than the old stuff. I kind of agree. Um, what is that album, Enemy of God? Great. Album. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's a really good one. I got in on Violent Revolution. It has a priest tie for me. And that's my favorite of theirs, Violent Revolution. Kind of mine too. And that guitarist joined, I think, on that album. That's right. love for creator and Mille as well he's just a unique character in in the scene you know he, he's a character let's put it like that and i like characters i would love to have a chat with him man cool choices yeah i already have ideas for songs to splice in so don't worry about that nice <laughs> eric what's up all right well let's see so um i've been really uh digging uh the latest Dinosaur Jr. album. I don't remember what it's called now, but it's it's uh, the latest one. That's really Jay Maskis band, right? Yep. He's a guy. Yeah, he's a great. He's a. Yeah. And I sort of fell into that rabbit hole because I, I mean I've always loved the band, um, but I um, so they're always sort of somewhere in my you know extended sort of tier of rotations. But uh, like last Saturday, I was at a birthday party and I happened to put on a long white hair, white wig, and was wearing a cap, and I realized, huh, I kind of look like him. Yep. So, so, so that's where, like, that's how I sort of fell back into that, that rabbit hole. But any of their albums are great, but uh, the, the one I've listened to the most is the latest one. I think, the song, let me just, let me just see the title. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, Sweep Into Space is the album. It's, it's great. Title, or no, track? No, that, that's, 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 that's the album. I'd say there's a song called I Ain't, which I really like, or even Garden's good, or anything, really. Just pick any one of those. They're really good. It's time. It takes time looking on a razor blade all the way. Don't make it harder. Hand me your hand. No time to waste. 
And you, sir? And me. Uh, I got back into a band called Drudk. D-R-U-D-K-H. I don't know how you would do that. uh, That's the heavy stuff. English sound. Drudk. uh, Drudk. Yeah, it's pretty heavy stuff. Uh, uh, For me, it really hits uh, quite deep what they do and um, how they arrange their music. It's very unique. They don't play live. They don't have to think about Mm. what should we do live. They can just freak out, basically. Yeah. Fur of the Gods, Microcosmos, uh, anything, really. I haven't heard a bad song of that band. I was thinking, should we start? We should, maybe I'll throw in a. We can do like a rotation playlist, like a Spotify list. We can throw all the stuff in there, um, or selected stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be that much because I mean, like the other list we did is so huge because there's so many people contributing to it. Here, it's not going to be as much, and it's going to be like you know, like maybe three songs per week. So yeah, cool. We I, we could backtrack a bit. It's easy to find this segment and put some of the best of the of the past. Yeah, we can do that too. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. No, it's a good idea. Let's do that. I will do that. Drudk has been on, and then uh, what else? This is something else I've been listening to lately. Anyone listening to the new Ghost album? That was it. I've been listening to that. That's really hot this weekend. I know that Eric is not into Ghost at all. Uh, we don't know why, but uh, maybe because Tobias is a cat person, a hardcore cat person. And- no, no, yeah, that's that's that was your theory. I don't know. I don't know. I'll I'll uh, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Interesting. Listen, uh, put a lot of work into it. I think my criticism would be. That sometimes put too much work into it. Some of the choruses are really, to me, overworked. Like, it's give me a little less of that sugar. You know, I don't need a two-liter milkshake. Give me a 50-cent-liter milkshake, I'm fine. So that's my only complaint, really. I'd rank it maybe a three out of five, but, you know, in the competition today, it's very competitive. It's A-class level of production, um, songwriting, everything. Yeah. 
I've heard from people like one of our uh, friends in common, Linus, who is uh, works at a lovely store called Sound Pollution in Gamlestown and in Stockholm. Check it out if you're here. Because uh, and I saw him posting about it, and uh, and he even mentioned like in the post, like he's he's really digging it. And he said, yeah, and people like I didn't know you liked them. And he said I didn't. It took him two and a half albums to get to get pretty good. <laughs> Well, so, some people catch uh, on later, right? It happens. I'll give it a go. I mean, you know, I, you know, worst case scenario, there's a new band I enjoy. Oh my God, that wouldn't be that. That'd be fu- I'd be fine with that. Yeah, exactly. You already like the Rocky Erickson cover, anyway. Yeah, I like that. So then I'll give it a go. Which I also think is a standout track. But I happen to be a fan of Rocky and Thirteen Floor Elevators as well. So yeah, I'll say I'll say that I did not like their. They did. They released a song this past uh, Halloween for the movie Halloween Kills called Hunter's Moon. The I did not Moon. like that at all. I think it's a good song. Uh, I don't know. I didn't didn't didn't. didn't didn't do it for me. Well, yeah, somehow they haven't been rubbing you the right way. Uh, that's no. just how it's been. And uh, let's no. see what happens in the future. You know. Well, I'll give it a go, and yeah. maybe we can follow up next week. George, uh, you've uh, during these two episodes, you kept filling in what I forgot. So thanks for that, including this, even in the rotation. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Lots of help. Yeah, very nice to have you on, guys. It's been an honor. It's so much fun talking about a different band for a change. So thank you for inviting me on pleasure having you we look forward to having you back definitely and i look forward to talk about another band on your show recording tomorrow so there we go that's coming up too right yeah good fun all right well tagline time uh let's do it like this uh you first eric then me and then george says whatever he wants all right so okay i think i know what you mean i mean how can i not this always wrecks anyway so let's wreck it (laughs) all right fair enough all right so uh up the irons skull from the north and keep defending the faith. Ah, oh, shit. Wrong show. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. This guy fucks. Am I right? Because I'm looking at the rest of you guys. This is the guy in the house doing all the fucking. Am I right? You know I'm right. I get no You know, from starting at 16 to yeah. 26 years old, living on dog food. Yeah. Um, it's not good, is it's it? not good, is it? It's not good, is it? telling you, man, it's the first effect. Twenty-six years old, living on dog food. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's not good, is it? No. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, it's the Bruce effect.